Hey everybody, hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us today. And like I've been saying, I really sense that we are in a key moment, what we've termed a Kairos moment. What do we mean by Kairos? Again, we mean a God moment, a moment of divine favor, opportunity, a moment where his spirit is moving on the earth, doing incredible things, things that were always in his heart to do. This is a time, I believe, of and suddenlies. We shared on that last week, but sometimes it seems like God takes a lot of time getting something into position. But then when he moves, it happens suddenly. I really believe that this is a moment of and suddenlies, a Kairos moment, a moment of divine opportunity. That means that we need to be prepared and positioning ourselves to be acting correctly in this moment. Like we've said, we believe that this isn't a Kairos moment coming, but we are in a Kairos moment. God is moving in a fresh way. So what do I mean by position ourselves correctly? I think that this is a moment to position ourselves in faith and obedience. Those are always two good positions. God always responds well to faith and he always responds well to obedience. Now, faith reaches out. Sometimes it means that you reach out one more time. I know sometimes when you've been in a situation, really believing for God, even having a promise from God for a situation, <clears throat> sometimes it's easy to believe at the beginning. But then when things don't happen when you think they should, in the timescale that you feel they should happen, sometimes your faith can get tired. But I want to encourage you, if that's you today, this is really a Kairos moment where we can't afford to be living with tired faith. Rather, we need to be reaching out again. Do it, Lord. Do everything you've said you're going to do. And again, I speak to those that have maybe been believing a long time. It's time to reach out again and believe that this moment that we're in is a moment of miracles. It's a moment of divine breakthrough. The other word that we're looking at here is obedience. What's obedience? Simply to do what God says to do when it makes sense, but also when it doesn't. Sometimes when you're in a Kairos moment and you've got a promise from God or you're aware that God is doing something, he can sometimes ask you to do something to trigger the miracle. It's then we have a decision. Are we going to live by our senses? Well, that doesn't make sense. What he's asking me to do doesn't make sense. Or are we going to live or purpose to live in simple obedience? Obedience is what releases miracles into lives and situations. So let's look at these two responses a little bit more today. Firstly, faith. Faith always connects us to what God is doing. Remember what it says in Hebrews 11, verses 6, it says, that without faith, trust, belief in God and his promise, his word, it's impossible to please him. I'm sure that like me, you want to live a life that pleases God. But how do we live a life that pleases God? According to Hebrews 11 verse 6, that when we choose to walk in childlike trust, believing every word and promise he's giving us, that's how we connect with God in moments of kairos and see things that we're believing for come to pass 
And that means that we choose to believe not just in moments where something suddenly is happening, but in moments where, like I said before, maybe you've been waiting a while. Maybe the road has been long. You know you received the promise, just like Joseph when he was a young boy, but the journey to the fulfillment of that promise has been a longer road than what you intended. Maybe you've done things like Abraham did when he was promised a child to try and produce what's been promised. And like Abraham, you've only ever produced an Ishmael, not an Isaac. But remember the storyline of Abraham. There was a Kairos moment when Isaac was born. For Joseph, there was a God moment when the prison door opened and he became a president. Don't be weary. Don't grow weary in doing good and believing, especially now in this moment we're calling Kairos. It's time to believe again. Even lay aside some of our ways of doing things and say, God, please, 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 in this divine moment of opportunity, will you do this your way? There's many examples we can have in the Bible. One of them that stands out to me, we read about in John 5, verses 1 to 9. This is about a gentleman who's laying by a body of water that every now and then it would move in a supernatural way and the first person in would get healed. Everyone else there waiting wouldn't. What a strange predicament to be in, especially when you've been there for years, waiting for a time, waiting for a turn, never making it on time. How frustrated must this man have been? But all of a sudden, this man experiences a kairos. Let me read you this story. John chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which its Aramaic name is Bethesda, and which is surrounded by different colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lay the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid or crippled there for 38 years. That's a long time, isn't it? To want your healing. To lay in a place for 30 odd years, 38 years, waiting for an opportunity, an opportune moment, a miraculous moment. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, 38 years, he asked, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get there, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, pick up your mat and walk. <clears throat> At once, <clears throat> the man operated in obedience, picked up his mat, began to walk, and he was supernaturally cured. I just want to think a moment about this man's life, those 38 years. Everything in him longed for a Kairos moment. Everything in him longed for a supernatural healing. But for 38 years, he laid there watching others get healed, knowing he had no one to help him get into this water to experience this thing that was happening. Then all of a sudden, a certain day, a certain moment, Jesus comes and says, how about now? Get up and walk. And in a moment, he didn't rely on the waters over there, but the waters, the living waters of the one that was standing in front of him. 
and he got healed. What if he had lost faith? What if he said, oh, I don't believe? 38 years has worn me down. I used to believe in supernatural things, but not now. What if he'd done that? He wouldn't have experienced the moment that God had in his heart for him. There's so many other stories you read in Mark 9, verses 14 to 29, about that moment when Jesus comes down the mountain with a couple of his disciples, and he meets a man whose son is so demonically oppressed, he's thrown into fire, he's brutally tormented, and he says to the disciples, why could your disciples not do anything? And in that moment, Jesus steps in, rebukes the demons, and the child is released. And then he begins to rebuke his disciples for not operating in faith, living according to what he'd spoken. But again, I want to bring to your attention, what must it have been like for this man? Because this boy wasn't sick for a week. This boy wasn't sick for a month. He'd been tormented for years. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes into the moment and the supernatural happens. I'm so thankful that this man wasn't so bitter or discouraged that he wasn't able to reach out to Jesus and say, would you give me a moment, a Kairos moment now, Lord? You see, both of these men, the man waiting for the waters to heal him, the father of his child that was desperately tormented, (laughs) they'd waited a long time. They could have quit. And that's what I mean by sometimes in a moment of Kairos, you need to release your faith or release your faith again. Maybe you look back at things in the situations that you're involved in and you say, yeah, Andy, I've believed. Yeah, Andy, I've trusted. Yeah, Andy, I've stood on the word. But nothing's happened yet. What if this Kairos moment was the moment that if you reach out one more time, like the man at the water's edge or the father of the child, what if this moment, this Kairos moment, was a moment when something miraculous happens. My friends, keep reaching out, believing God, referring to his promises, standing in faith. It's time for us all to be believing, for others to be believing again. It's time for us all in this Kairos moment to be having faith regarding what God says he will do. Now, faith connects us to and substantiates the real actuality of what God is doing. Again, in Hebrews 11, it says, faith is the substance of things not seen, evidence of things hoped for. That word substance is unusual. If you replace it for substantiation, then suddenly you read these verses again, and it says to us, faith is what substantiates the things that we've been believing and hoping for. It's amazing, sometimes we live in a world where we're taught that seeing is believing, to the degree that if we don't see it with our eyes, we don't believe it to be real. Where the reality is when God says something's real, it's real, even if we can't see it. Remember how the Bible encourages us that we do not live by sight, but by faith. Because faith substantiates that which the Father has promised. A great example I've heard about this would be, imagine if you close your eyes, and I 
tell you or you were to tell me that there's a table in front of me. The reality is there is a table in front of me, but I can't see it because my eyes aren't open. But that doesn't make the table not real. It makes me not able to see the table. What if suddenly I open my eyes and I see the table? The table didn't just appear. It was always present, but I was unaware of it until a moment of sight came. In the same way, when God gives us a promise, this is actual, this is real. Those things are real because he said they were. The problem is we haven't yet seen them, experienced them, so we don't treat them as being real because we've not validated their reality with our natural senses. Where actually, when we walk by faith, we define that something is real. We substantiate that something is real based on what God has clearly said and the Holy Spirit has witnessed too. And then, all of a sudden, that which is currently unseen becomes seen. Keep believing on the things that God has promised he's going to do. So we could talk about faith all day, couldn't we? But I want to also speak about obedience. Because wherever there's faith, a time of believing, there needs to be moments of obedience. Because when you read the Bible so often, time and time again, <clears throat> when somebody needed a miracle, a Kairos moment, Jesus would ask them to do something. And if they did what he asked, what he'd promised came into being. Our obedience is a powerful thing. It's good to have faith. But it's better to have faith and obedience. Now, there's two things we're all called to do as believers. Number one, listen and obey. Number two, hear and follow. Remember that we're called to listen to what God is promising and telling us to do. And then walk in simple obedience to that. We're here to hear what the Good Shepherd is saying and follow after him in the direction of what he's telling us. Now, the Bible refers to him as our great shepherd and to us as his sheep. Are we in a place in our life where we listen for the voice of the shepherd? When we hear what he says, we walk in obedience towards it, and we go in the direction of what we're hearing him say. Because to me, that's where you see miracles come out of Kairos moments. Again, we have no shortage of examples in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New. In the Old Testament, I consider the general called Naaman and how God said to him, hey, if you want to get rid of your leprosy, it's really simple. Just go down to the river and dunk yourself seven times. And the Bible records that when Naaman went to the river and dunked himself seven times, the leprosy came off of his skin. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 17. Leprosy came off of his skin, and his skin was fully restored. Now let's just stop for a moment. Naaman was a general in the army. <clears throat> he was an important person. But God expects faith and obedience from those who consider themselves important, as well as those that maybe don't. So all of a sudden, Naaman comes to the prophet and says, what must I do to be healed? The prophet says, yeah, I've heard God for you. 
You've got to get in that dirty old river and dunk yourself seven times. And if you do, you'll be healed. Naaman might have said, well, what if I don't? You won't be healed. It isn't that God hasn't spoken. It's that you are stubbornly not doing what he's asked you to do. It was a dirty river. He said, there's cleaner rivers. Well, God chose that river. Well, why can't I just splash myself? God said you had to go over seven times, under seven times. So Naaman had a situation. He could either obey what God was saying and take hold of the miracle that God had said he could have, or he could rebel, be prideful, be arrogant. I'm so glad that Naaman said, you know what? Who am I to barter with God? I am dying of leprosy. I am dying here of leprosy. Let me just do what God has asked me to do. So the Bible records that Naaman took off of his armor, and that made him just like anyone else that needed something from God. He got into the water, dunked himself once, nothing, twice, nothing, three times, nothing, five times, nothing. But then on the seventh time, he went under this murky water. He came up and his skin was free from leprosy. Leprosy was no longer on his life. He had the skin of a healthy man. Again, was it an issue of faith? Yes, but it was also an issue of obedience. Was he willing to do something God was asking him to do? Give something God was asking them to give to get what God promised he could have. Man, then we get into the New Testament and it's a catalogue of examples. The miracle of the water being turned into wine that we read about in John 2 verses 1 to 11. Remember, Jesus is at the, the wedding feast. This is the first recorded miracle. And Jesus's mum comes and says, you're going to help them. They've run out of wine. And Jesus said, why are you bothering me? It's not my time yet, woman. But woman carried on asking. And like any good son to his mother, he said, we need to get this done. But notice then he said to some of the disciples or some of the servants, go and get me these containers of water. What if they hadn't been obedient and gone and got the containers of water? The miracle had been released but there was nowhere for the miracle to be expressed. It was the obedience to get the vessels of water that gave the potential for the water to be turned into wine. What about the moment when the lepers come to Jesus? Luke 17, 14. This happened frequently uh, with Jesus. He healed so many people of leprosy. But these lepers came <clears throat> and Jesus prayed for them to be healed but they weren't yet healed. Interesting, hey? But then he says to them, go show yourself to the priest. Are they healed yet? No, they're not. But Jesus has said, all right, I've prayed for you. Go show yourself to the priest. And then the Bible responds that as they went, they were healed. Again, what if they would have turned around and said, well, huh, thanks for nothing, Jesus. Look, we're no different. We still got leprosy. No, they walked into obedience to the command or instruction Jesus had given them. And as they walked in obedience, the miracle they told they'd been given became theirs. So many examples. Remember, there was a tax issue where one of the disciples says to Jesus, we've got to pay tax. Caesar is asking for payment for taxes here. 
And Jesus says to a disciple in Matthew 17, 27, <clears throat> no problem, go catch a fish. And when you catch a fish in its mouth, you'll find a coin. There, go pay Caesar what Caesar belongs. Go pay our taxes. What if a disciple would have said, go catch a fish? Are you kidding me? Go catch a fish. But the disciple heard the instruction of Jesus that would create the miracle that was needed. And he went and caught a fish. And when he opened the mouth of the fish, the coin that was needed to pay the taxes was in the mouth of the fish. Sometimes when we're in situations that maybe involve financial miracles, do we get weighed down by what makes sense? What's reasonable behavior? When we know in our hearts God is speaking to us to do something, to release the miracle he's promised. Are we willing to go catch a fish to walk in obedience to what God has asked? There's another example. I've got hundreds, but time doesn't allow. In the book of Luke, <coughs> chapter 5, verses 4 to 11, you have this moment where the fishermen are doing what they've been trained to do. They're fishing, but they're catching nothing, absolutely nothing. They've been out all night, caught nothing. When suddenly Jesus comes up, and they know that Jesus is a carpenter's son, and all of a sudden this carpenter's son says to them, did you catch anything? They said, no, we've been out all night. We're going to clean our nets. Then Jesus turns to them and says, no, go out again to the same area of water there, cast out into the deep, put your nets on the other side. Imagine how the fishermen could have responded to this request. They could have been polite and said, we've heard you're a carpenter. Stick to making chairs. We're fishermen. We know what we're doing. But they said, we don't understand this. This is our profession. But because you've said, go cast your nets on the other side, we're going to do it. So they believed, they had faith in his word, but then they walked in obedience to his command. They went out and they must have been saying to themselves, this is ridiculous. Who's he think he is? Fishing, same bit of water. Nets on the other side. Come on, the boat's only about six foot wide, six, eight, ten foot wide. If a fish aren't there, they're not going to be there. But they did what he asked them to do. And suddenly, when all the fish saw people acting in obedience to what God had spoken, they redirected their lives and the nets became so filled with fish. The disciples came back to the shore. They needed to get help from others to bring the fish in. Great was the catch. Interesting, eh? God had given them a promise. If you put your nets on the other side, it's going to be different. But then they needed to walk in obedience to what Jesus had asked them. I want to encourage you today. This is a Kairos moment. This is a moment to believe again. Even like the man at Bethesda, you may be tired. It may have felt like 38 years. My friend, don't stop believing. This is the moment to believe again, to hear what God is saying. Reach forth an arm in faith and say, yes, Lord. But also then hear what he's saying and obey his word. Listen to what God may be saying to you that you need to do 
That could be go forgive a person, go release a person from unforgiveness. It could be do this, do that. God will speak uniquely into your situation. So it's time for us to get ourselves into position for this Kairos moment. It's time for us to not just be complacent, apathetic. Oh, it's Kairos. Yeah, let's see what God will do. No, no, no. We don't want that level of passivity holding us back from the things we could experience. Rather, all of us, however this lands in our world, let's make sure that we are reaching out the hand of faith, saying we believe, we believe again, we won't stop believing. Extending our ear, what do you want me to do, Lord? When you tell me what to do, I will walk in obedience to what you've asked. I believe that when we position ourselves in faith and obedience, we're in a really, really good position to experience everything that God wants to do in this moment that we find ourselves. What we want to be doing is living Kairos in Kronos. Remember, Kronos is that Greek word that speaks of logical time, sequential time, minutes, hours, weeks, days, years, where Kairos is a moment of divine activity, divine godly opportunity. We live in a world that we understand chronos, times, hours and minutes. But let's be a people that are hungry for God to move in power in chronos with his kairos. The Lord bless you. I'll see you next week.